Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Janet Brown. Uh, she is the uh, portfolio manager of the FundX Upgrader Funds and also editor of the No Load FundX newsletter. Welcome to the show, Janet. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Let's just start with a little bit of your background and how you got into the field of uh, picking mutual funds and uh, writing this newsletter. Well, actually, I didn't study business in college. I was living in Europe and needed a job, basically. And um, so I was fortunate to get in with an American financial services company, and I really got interested when I studied to get my stockbroker's exam and started looking. And I always kind of approached it from the consumer standpoint. When I moved back to San Francisco, where I'm from, I was lucky to meet Bert Berry, who had a really unique approach. Um, this was way back in 78, uh, soon after, actually, deregulation of the brokerage industry. So it was at the very inception of a period that I, I believe investors were really empowered with information. Okay, and why pick no-load funds? I mean, over the years, there's been a seems like a dramatic reduction in the amount of no-load funds out there compared to what they used to be. Why stick, stick only to no-load funds? Well, when you think about it, uh, no-load funds are the best deal for investors. Why pay a sales charge when you don't have to? I think the proliferation of information really empowered individual investors to start making their own decisions and... They really can buy the best funds. I don't think, actually, when you think of exchange-traded funds and the thousands of no-load funds out there, I think the industry is growing rapidly. Um, but I suppose you're right. Still, a lot of funds are sold rather than bought. Right, right. So uh, tell us a little bit about the technique that you offer. As I understand it, it's pretty much... A momentum model. You're buying funds that are doing well on the assumption they'll continue to do well. But maybe you can explain the no-load fund X system a little bit better. Sure. Probably the most basic observation is that markets change, but most professional money managers don't change. Managers typically achieve good returns only when their particular investment focus or styles in favor. So... Um, We've got markets changing, managers who become expert, for instance, in large growth or small value or a particular way of, of picking funds. We've, we've seen over and over again that it's really not so much the brilliance of the portfolio manager, but rather being in sync with market leadership. So, Bert, who I mentioned started our firm back in 1969, 
quickly observed that no-load funds, baskets of securities that you can trade at no cost, are a very efficient way to follow this market leadership. So, in essence, he saw it as hiring and firing the best managers in the country at no cost. Over the years, um, we've been able to observe that these market trends last a while and have kind of optimized the way for selecting funds. But in essence, what we're doing is focusing on current market leadership. What's doing well now? We really don't believe it's necessary or even possible to accurately forecast market direction. I mean, when you think about it, the market's reaction is often different than we might expect. Um, So what we're doing is focusing on current performance. We believe having a discipline to respond to market changes with a variety of tools is really more important than predicting the market. And tell me a lot about that discipline. When do you decide to get in or out of a particular uh, billowed fund? Our our formula, surprisingly, Jordan, it's the same formula that we developed in the 70s. And now that we have computers and have the ability to test all the variables, we actually haven't been able to improve upon it. We've observed that... Current performance, and we define that as the last one, three, six, and 12 months, is really the most effective way for selecting funds. The longer term the performance record, the less predictable. When you think about it, if you're selecting funds that have good five-year track records, you may be selecting a fund that did well in the last five years, but the trend may be changing and it may not do well in the next period. And, of course, we've tested all of this. Um, so we focus on one, three, six, and 12-month total returns. We basically just average those total returns and then rank the funds from best to worst within a risk class. So our system of upgrading is essentially buying the funds that are doing well now by that one, three, six, twelve month average, staying with them so long as they're outperforming most of their peers. When they fall below thirty percent of their risk class, we upgrade. We say don't Stay with a fund that's underperforming most of its competition. Sell it. Again, there are no loads, so you have some flexibility. Reinvest then in the top-ranking fund that you don't own. So it's a continual process, really, of just aligning with what's working in the current environment. For the average investor who would follow your technique, how often would they have to buy and sell funds during a year? Well, we publish a monthly newsletter, so we recommend that people look at it monthly. We don't recommend anyone trade more frequently than monthly, but investors that want to do it themselves could look monthly, see if their funds were still top-ranked. If they weren't, sell the lowest performing. We've found over the long term the average hold of a fund is a little over eight months. So it is a very active strategy. So in other words, the average time that you'd hold a fund is a little over eight months. So what I don't understand is it seems like you're always going to be getting in late because by the time it rises to the top of your uh, system, 
it's already had a period of outperformance, whether it be the one, three, six months. So you, it's already gone up a good deal yeah, before you get into it. Yeah, it already has achieved good performance. Um, we've found that these major trends last four or five years. There's lots of academic research on momentum strategies uh, going back actually a century. But um, we've determined that the big trends last four or five years. You're right. We're not going to get in at the bottom, nor are we going to get out at the top. But our system has proven over the years that when we capture the majority of these trends, we can outperform the market. So what are some of the numbers that, uh, what uh, fund would you pick and what benchmark do you compare it to and how have you outperformed? Well, we, um, we started as traditional money managers managing, you know, private accounts and then we started publishing a newsletter for people to do it themselves. So we've been doing this for 40 years, but about 10 years ago we, Really, at the request of clients and subscribers, started a no-load mutual fund, which follows the same upgrading strategy. That fund, uh, for the last 10 years, has about doubled the S&P 500 by following this upgrading strategy, simply by continually repositioning in, in what's working. So it's about doubled the S&P 500 with, with approximately the same risk. So that fund is the fund X. Upgrader fund that you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, the ticker is uh, Fundex, F-U-N-D-X. And so uh, uh, that will range into many to... different areas of the market or just stocks? Or what kind of funds would go into that fund? That fund is an equity fund, a growth fund. So I think one of the reasons why the strategy works is that we do not separate out domestic from international or growth from value. So in other words, we're mixing the whole universe of growth funds with a particular risk, and we can go into that, but we, we do have other funds that buy higher risk funds, sector funds, and ETFs, but we mix all of the exchange-traded funds and open-ended no-load funds together. So we're different from many in that we do not have fixed asset allocations to international, for instance. Some institutional investors, as you know, for, for years, the old style was invest 20% in international in the belief that over the long term, it's all going to work out and you'll do fine. Well, we've observed that you really suffer through some periods of underperformance needlessly. So our approach is different. We're only going to be in international funds when we're paid to be there. We had way overweight exposure to internationals from... Oh, 2003 through 2007, we really benefited from international exposure and emerging market exposure. Um, then in 2008, those funds fell down our rankings, and we've gone back and forth a couple times, but now we're 100% domestic. So it's a global approach, uh, taking advantage, again, of areas only when they're doing well. Now, when you have a kind of sharp reversal in the market one way or the other, what happens to your strategy? For example, in 2011, the market, the stock market fell sharply. In August, bonds did extremely well. Uh, and then in October, it's been the exact opposite. Stocks have done well and bonds yeah, are not doing as well. Yeah, it's tough on our strategy. There is a lag. Um, 
sometimes it it takes a while for us to catch up. So, you know, our strategy is going to do best when there's a clear trend. A good example is 2000. That was a very clear change in the market. You know, in the late 90s, we were in a large growth period. So, of course, our portfolios were positioned in in the large growth funds. The market fell off a cliff in March. It was actually fall I think September, October, before we were 100% positioned in the value funds. So you'd think, well, what about looking at shorter periods and responding more quickly and changing our formula? And, of course, we did go back and test. But interestingly, did not work better to look at only shorter periods. You know, the market does not move in a straight line. Our system is not tuned to respond to every blip. Back in 2000, the market fell off a cliff. It actually came back in the summer a bit, fell off again. Um, so we did have better performance by sticking with the strategy. It's, it's kind of a smoothing effect. So we don't want to capture every blip in the market. What we want to do is get the major trends. It's actually a pretty conservative growth approach. Very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Janet Brown. Uh, she is the editor of the No Load Fundex newsletter and also the portfolio manager of the Fundex Upgrader Funds. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. If you lead a team of any kind, you need to listen to this show. Tune in to Leading with Emotional Intelligence, hosted by Esther Orioli. Esther provides you with the tools and techniques you need to harness the power of EQ to stop setting goals and start changing behaviors in your organization. Get the latest concepts in EQ from a top-of-the-house perspective and have your questions answered on air. Leading with Emotional Intelligence is broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Janet Brown. Uh, She is the portfolio manager of the Fundex Upgrader Funds and also the editor of the No Load Fundex newsletter. Welcome back to the show, Janet. Thanks. Let's talk about the pros and cons of no load funds uh, versus uh, ETFs. ETFs certainly uh, have an awful lot of uh, currency today, and people are paying a lot of attention to them, probably more so than no load funds. What, What is the 
pro and con of using one over the other. Sure. Yeah, you're right. That's where most of the money is going, and ETFs have certainly been an answer to capacity issues. You know, we as institutional managers can't invest too much in any one no-load fund, so they've answered our capacity issues. They also provide flexibility and liquidity. Typically, they have lower fees and fewer taxable distributions. But ETFs are not always better than actively managed funds. What you know, we've been investing in index funds for years, since 76, I think, when Vanguard first started, you know, VFINX, the S&P 500 index fund. So when the ETFs first came on board, we thought, fine, you know, we'll invest in them when they do well. And sometimes they do. In 2008, for instance, uh, actively managed funds that could hold cash or go to non-correlated areas tended to outperform ETFs as a group simply because they could go defensive. An index fund is going to stay fully invested. Another thing that we actually spend a lot of time advising our subscribers about is to be careful about the liquidity of ETFs. Some people are not aware that thinly traded ETFs can have wide spreads between the bid and ask. You know, you can just go on Yahoo and see on a chart those white areas or period when an ETF does not trade, and you want to be pretty cautious. Um, there are other areas to be alerted to. You know, with exchange-traded funds, first of all, we really stick with the funds. We do not like the partnerships are notes. Many of the exchange-traded products are structured as notes where there's counterparty risk. Partnerships often have tax reporting complications that many investors may not be aware of before they go into them, um, you know, when they get uh, partnership returns at the end of the year, it's, it's kind of a pain. So I would say for most individuals, stick with 40 Act funds uh, and, you know, be alert to the liquidity. We went through our newsletter a couple issues ago and actually delisted a dozen or more funds that didn't quite have the liquidity that made tra- trading easy. That being said, you know, there are a number of exchange-traded funds now that are among our our top-ranked, and uh, we have no problem with them. Do you also go into inverse and double-leveraged funds? Uh, So, for example, in 2008, when the market was falling sharply, uh, the best-performing funds were probably the inverse funds that go up when the market goes down. Would you move into those if that's what's happening? We do. We put those funds in our most aggressive category, Class 1, for obvious reasons when they're inverse, um, you know, and their their ETFs are also, Ridex has a number of ETF funds that are regular open-ended no-loads. Um, unless you're an extended down period, it's really tricky to successfully invest in those funds, and they don't work particularly well with our system. We do buy them in small pieces, you know, when they come up our ranks, but generally with upgrading, I would say, and the oldest one is probably the Bull and Bear Fund that we've been watching for, oh, I don't know, it's a good 
20 or 30 years, I think. Um, typically, uh, when it comes up our ranks, it's a little late and we stay too long. So I think where upgrading works best is with the diversified growth funds. You know, with upgrading over the years, the the mutual fund industry has, has changed dramatically. We apply the same principles to upgrading, but now we apply it to bond funds and our flexible income strategy and, and also have a tactical strategy. But for the most part, I think those bear funds and inverse funds should be more actively traded than upgraded. Let's talk about fees a little bit. Uh, some fees have come down. Some have gone up in the industry. If they're using your mutual fund, there would be two layers of fees, the fees that you would charge and then the fees of the underlying funds. Is that That's right. justify itself? Why should people pay both levels of fees? Well, the way I look at it is I care about what I put in my pocket. You know, fees are commonly thought to be a good way to select mutual funds. Some people think, well, it's true that all funds have expenses and fund expenses come out of performance, so the lowest cost funds will probably be the best performing. For 40 years, actually, I've been looking for a correlation between fees and expenses. I've been listing funds by expenses and also by performance, and never found much of a correlation. We continue to study this. The last study we did really showed no correlation at all. So what I did was uh, build a portfolio of the lowest cost funds, and the returns were quite mediocre. And when I looked at the best performing funds, say, over the last 20-year period, there was a full range of returns. When you think about it, of not returns, fees is what I meant. When you think about it, the difference between the lowest fee fund at, you know what, 25 basis points and the highest expense fund, maybe two, two and a half expenses, uh, percent, sorry. So you don't have much of a range there, but the difference in net performance over any year or period could be a hundred percentage points. So I think what investors should focus on is net, net returns, what they put in their pocket after all fund expenses. So with our managed no-load funds, the upgrader funds, yes, they are funds of funds. We see them as actively managed portfolios of other mutual funds and ETFs. So, yeah, you're paying us to actively manage the portfolio. Make sure your assets are in the top performing funds, just like you would pay us if you had a separately managed account. So all mutual fund managers charge a fee. Um, there are two layers of fees on our fund because they're funds of funds. So I would suggest that people should really look at the net returns. Um, again, I would much rather be in a fund that returned 20% net of fees per year, even if they did have, you know, percent and a half return or fees rather than a fund that, uh, you know, had low expenses and, and low returns. So you're saying you're justifying the fees by higher performance than people would get on yeah, their own. Yeah, I'm saying focus on net, net 
total return. Everything shows up in performance. You don't need to look further than performance. Again, many people select uh, funds based on fees. That's really not an effective way to select mutual funds. Yeah. Uh, now, you, you put out uh, articles on a regular basis, and one of the ones you talk about is uh, retirement investing and how uh, people need their portfolio to grow in order to keep uh, enough assets in there so they can withdraw and still have money left for their lifetimes. Is that a, a problem with a lot of people? They don't put it aside enough and they have to take out more money sooner in order to be able to keep their style of living going? Sure, you know, particularly after the losses that most investors suffered. You know, the last 10 years have been pretty flat for the equity market. So I think that the best thing most investors can do you know, obviously they have to start saving early and save as much as they can, but get an asset allocation that they can be comfortable with so they can ride through um, some volatility in the market. If you have a balanced account and you have a goal in mind and a discipline, you're probably going to have less chance of reacting emotionally and, and selling at the wrong time. Unfortunately, too many mutual fund investors do make bad decisions, uh, timing decisions based on what the market's doing. So there's the, emotionally, as you say, they buying high and selling low? Is that basically what happens? Yeah. When you look at studies of how mutual fund investors do, um, I think it's, it's human nature when we... But you're doing the same thing to some extent, not... As much, but you are definitely buying higher. You're not contrarian, you know, buying things when they're low and selling them when they're high. You're buying them We're when they're up somewhat. We're not necessarily buying things high. We are waiting for a fund to have good performance. Yeah. And we've seen over time when a fund achieves excellent performance, it continues for a time. Um, we never know exactly how long, but we're going to write it for that period. So, yeah, it is different from trying, it's very different from trying to buy undervalued stocks and um, we're, we're buying baskets of securities. Yeah. You also talk about tactical asset allocation. What do you mean by that? How can people do it themselves? Well, um, we have some tactical approaches that are basically overlays to our upgrading strategy. I'm not sure if you're referring to that. Tactical, in our case, means hedging. What we do in our tactical approach is start with our basic upgrading. In other words, position in the best funds and ETFs right now. But then we want to manage the risk. So we want to put a collar on the risk. Now, of course, there's always a trade-off when you... Um, manage the risk on the downside, you also are not going to participate 100% on the upside. But we have some tactical approaches that for the last couple of years have been able to use options. So we basically, uh, it's a risk-managed strategy applied to upgrading. Is that something the average individual could do as well? 
Well, you could if you wanted to work full-time at it. I mean, our traders are, are really very active, and you could do it yourself, but I would say most individual investors are probably not going to want to devote that much time to it. Um, I think another approach that investors can take, which requires far less time, is coming up with an asset allocation that they'll be comfortable with. Put a percentage in fixed income. Put a percentage in a a hedged or a tactical approach, you know, like our funds. There are other funds um, that are risk-managed funds. And then you have your allocation to growth, which hopefully is actively managed, so you're not getting stuck in underperforming sectors. But, you know, if you take this balanced approach, I think you'll be far more likely to be able to ride through the volatility, the ups and downs of the market, and come out with a better long-term growth rate in the end. So you're saying what a lot of people do is react to the news and buy when they're high and sell when they're low, and they're getting whips out all the time instead of this kind yeah, of broad. I think that's the most common mistake. Investors responding emotionally to market activity, selling into declines, waiting until the market rises before they have confidence to go back in. So, you know, when you think about it, they're really... Um, well, it's not, it's not going to produce good returns. Successful investors really come up with an allocation they can stick to. Um, you know, I think being realistic about expectations is very important, too. Not every trade's going to be profitable. The market, you know, two steps up, one step back. It doesn't go in a straight line. I think investors really have to determine their goals and focus on the long term and then pick a discipline. You know, lots of strategies work for picking funds, but I think the most important thing investors can do is select a discipline and stick with it. I think this really helps us save ourselves from ourselves. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Janet Brown. Uh, She is the editor of the No Load Fundex newsletter and the portfolio manager of the Fundex Upgrader Funds. We'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, 
Actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Janet Brown. Uh, She is the portfolio manager of the Fundex Upgrader Funds and the editor of the No Load Fundex newsletter. Welcome back to the show, Janet. Thanks, Jordan. Great to be here. If people want to find out more about your funds, uh, what uh, website and phone number should they uh, use? Sure. Uh, our website, upgraderfunds.com or fundexfunds.com, and we also have an 800 number. Probably the easiest thing for people to remember is fundex.com, F-U-N-D-X.com. But there is an 800 number, which is 800 Very good. Let's talk about taxes a little bit. Uh, One would think with all the movement in and out of your funds that you're creating a lot of short-term capital gains, a lot of regular income. How is your using your tax, uh, your your, uh, investing technique tax efficient? Sure. Um, You know, that is a common perception. A lot of People think if it's an active strategy, it's got to be tax inefficient, but actually upgrading has been quite tax efficient. And, um, well, you can see the history of our distributions for the last 10 years on the Fundex Upgrader Funds and that uh, fundexfunds.com website. But about two-thirds of our gains have been long-term. When you think about it, with upgrading, We hold funds only so long as they're outperforming other funds. Um, We want, obviously, funds that we buy to have a good long-term run. We never know, but we're going to hold on to our winners. If we happen to buy a fund that doesn't sustain performance, we're going to sell it and capture our losses pretty quickly. So the funds we've held short-term tend to either be smaller gains or even losses. Um, so this active upgrading really helps us hold on to the funds for the long-term but use these short-term losses to offset gains. So that's why the majority of our gains have been long-term. Now, some people are concerned that uh, as of t- 2013, uh, long-term gains are not going to be preferential anymore. They'll be taxed at the same rate as regular income. If that were to happen, would that change your strategy at all? No, it wouldn't change our strategy. Um, You know, I guess in some ways it would be relatively good for us because people wouldn't be afraid of taking gains. I mean, I think that it is what it is, and um, people that invest are going to have to deal with it. So we, we tend to want to focus on things we can control and just maximize returns. You know, the old saying... How do you get the best after-tax returns? You start with the highest pre-tax returns. So I think, you know, go for the gains and and uh, be tax efficient as you can. You know, in our strategy, if we've held a fund for 11 months, it's 
fallen down our rankings, we certainly would advise taxable investors to hold it for a month in the current taxation system to get a long-term gain. Your technique works inside IRAs and tax-deferred accounts as well, probably even better to some extent. Sure. A lot of people like to use it for their tax-deferred accounts because then, of course, they, they don't have to worry about any capital gains. Yeah. Why don't we just go through one of your main funds recently, your Fundex Upgrader Fund, your kind of core fund, and give us a sense of what's been happening in the portfolio lately. What have you been adding, uh, what's coming up, and what have you been taking out that has been underperforming? Yeah, sure. Um, as I said, the, probably one of the most significant things is we are 100% domestic right now, which is quite different from where we were a few years ago. Um, we will go, you know, when we were during the large international run, we're up to 80% international, 100% domestic now. And surprisingly, even with all the volatility in the market, we've seen a fair amount of consistency among growth funds. Um, we're seeing high dividend paying stock funds and technology funds rising up the ranks. Uh, just to give you some names, uh, among the high dividend paying stocks, Wisdom Tree has a, a fund which is actually X Financials. The ticker for that is DTN, and that's one that's been highly ranked for for many months. Another high dividend paying ETF is DVY. That's the iShares Dow Jones Select Dividend. So you're mixing ETFs and no-load funds within the same portfolio. That's right. And do you tend to find that the same strategy works in both? So high dividend, both ETFs and short uh, and no-load funds are working at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, other highly ranked open-ended funds that might be comparable or Vanguard's Dividend Growth Fund. Vanguard Equity Income Fund is another fund that's highly ranked right now. Federated has a strategic value dividend fund. Um, and then there's some surprises. It's really interesting to me that you would assume that funds that achieve top ranks in any one environment would all be quite similar, but it's not true. Um, in our newsletter, we have a portfolio called the Monthly Upgrader Portfolio, and that's meant to share with subscribers what we're doing in our separately managed accounts. Um, that portfolio in the newsletter typically owns, oh, 20, 25 different funds. Oh, let me say between 15 and, and 20 different funds. So we've looked at those funds repeatedly and measured that there are about 1,800 individual stocks represented in this handful of a dozen or 15 different no-load funds and ETFs, and there's surprisingly little overlap. Um, right now, we're seeing funds like the high-dividend-paying stock funds that I mentioned, but we're also seeing funds like QQQ um, and Ridex S&P 400 Pure Growth. 
There's another, you know, some of the iShares S&P growth portfolios. IBW. So different trends going on at once is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Often it's a mixture. And um, this, of course, provides a measure of safety when you're that diversified. Mm-hmm. Another of your funds is the Flexible Income Fund, which is more bond-oriented. What have been some trends on that lately? We've had a huge bond market rally for several years here. So are you concerned that uh, we're getting down to yields that can't go much lower and there's downside risk in that kind of fund? Well, it's it's pretty interesting that for the last couple of years, people have been saying that rates are so low, they can't go any lower, there's only one direction for them to go, and, and uh, yet <laughs> returns from from mid and longer term treasuries have been pretty good. Um, our approach to the fixed income market is much like our equity approach. We'll pretty much go anywhere with caps. What we do with the fixed income market is divided into five different buckets. So high yield would be one bucket, for instance. Um, we will never put more than 30% of our fixed income portfolio and high yield because of the risk. We use fixed income really as an anchor for a portfolio for a lower risk strategy, so we're really committed in our flexible income fund to never lose more than 6%, say. So we're not going to take a whole lot of risk. But we do want a position in the areas of the fixed income market that are doing well um, and be pretty active. So... Right now, we do have a pretty big chunk in short term. The biggest chunk in intermediate term, uh, just because that's where the performance has been, we have a little bit in high yield still, about 10%. Um, we do ha- not have any in world or foreign funds right now or emerging markets, thankfully. Um, we have in the past. We've you know, been able to derive higher income and pretty good returns by diversifying internationally. But again, this is a very active approach. And so what we're doing is measuring the performance of the different areas of the fixed income market and allocating to those that are working now. But you're right, it's been a, it's been a tough market because rates are so low, people don't see the potential for a lot of capital gains in in bonds going forward. I mean, how can there be with rates this low? Yet, that's where the performance has been. So once yeah. again, we pretty much just go with it rather than uh, markets are not always predictable. Are you ever tempted to override what you see? You see certain funds coming up and you say you, you just don't believe it or you really don't want to go with that. You just override it anyway? Or yes, how do you do it? Is, it is tough. Um, and occasionally we will override it, um, particularly in the aggressive funds. Um, you know, our class one are largely sector funds and ETFs, and you see tremendous volatility, and it's really tough to buy in after a, a big run-up. Um, the other reason we would override our system is, is if we've just observed a fund family or a particular manager and and not seen a lot of consistency. So one of the services for our subscribers in our newsletter really is is really calling the thousands of funds and ETFs out there to funds that we would actually invest in. 
Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Janet Brown. Uh, she's the portfolio manager of the Fundex Upgrader Funds and the editor of the No Load Fundex Newsletter. Uh, website to find out more about her funds is fundxfunds.com. We'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Intense and intelligent. Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, keeps you informed of the ideological, theological, and economic war being waged against the United States of America. Kevin Lehman's bold and brilliant style challenges your deepest held beliefs and provokes you to ask the hard questions, religious, scientific, political, or financial. Kevin is holding the establishment's feet to the fire with high-profile guests that include politicians, economists, theologians, and business titans. He'll demand truth over tradition and facts over fiction. Full of passion, wisdom, and wit, Kevin's transparent and no-nonsense style make Catch Kevin unscripted and uncensored. The go-to show for real insight on business, politics, social issues, and breaking news. It's time to get real, America. It's time to tackle the tough issues head on. Tune in to Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. If you're looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Gooden, your, your host. Uh, my guest this hour is Janet Brown. Uh, she is the portfolio manager of the Fundex Upgrader Funds and the editor of the No Load Fundex Newsletter. Welcome back to the show, Janet. Thanks. Just talk a little bit about the discipline that people need to kind of hang in there where they see such incredible volatility with the market up and down 100 and 200 points a day and big moves up, big moves down. There's a, a lot of emotion involved in this. How can they kind of work through that and still come out ahead. That's right. I think, um, you know, having an allocation that they can live with is good, but having a discipline such as the upgrading strategy, I think, really takes the guesswork out of what to do. You don't have to try and figure it out every time. Following a discipline really can give you the conviction to persevere under the pressure from these volatile markets. You know, 
this kind of volatility is tough to work with. And having a discipline and an allocation that you know will work out over time, I think, is the best thing investors can do. One of your funds is the Aggressive Upgrader Fund. Uh, is that moving in and out faster than some of the other funds? And what, what have been some yeah, kind of moves you've made lately? Uh, we do have a couple of ETF-only funds which have no trading restrictions. And one of our funds called Unbox. Um, Unbox is kind of a, a funny pun on um, we don't believe that sticking in a style box is necessarily the best approach. So Unbox is a go-anywhere fund that uh, can invest in sectors and, and different areas of the market. So Unbox right now, for instance, among the aggressive funds has an allocation to QQQ. Um, we've seen technology funds and growth funds coming up the ranks. Other areas among the sector funds, you know, the consumer staples and, and consumer discretionary funds are up there. Retail, surprisingly. Um, Utilities, of course, are a classic defensive sector that did well until the market turned around. And in our system, um, you know, we still have small pieces in utilities, which will give it a little, uh, you know, anchor, a little dampening. So you, you phase in and out of things. You don't, like, dump it all at once. Is that right? That's As things... right. Because it's a diversified portfolio, it's this incremental moving. When you think about it, we're incrementally putting money in the funds that are rising up the ranks, and we're only selling off the lowest-ranked ones every month. So it's this continual process, really, that keeps us aligned with what's working in the current environment. Indeed. Okay, then you, you do have these other funds, which, as you said, are hedged. Um, so does that mean when the market goes down, it doesn't go down as much? and market goes up, it doesn't exactly. go up as much? What? Yeah. The tactical approach, are, you know, those are risk-managed funds. So, again, we start with that very same upgrading to position us in what's working. Uh, but then we will actually use options to put a collar around our, our risk. It's it's like insurance, basically. So as I said before, when you, it's expensive uh, to protect on the downside, so we're not going to always participate 100% when the market bounces, but we're also not going to lose as much. So our tactical funds are really risk-managed approaches, and we're finding that many people in this market environment, you know, having gone through 2008 and seeing the volatility in the markets, really want a percentage of their portfolio allocated to a fund. They know they can get some slow growth, but they're not going to have the big swings up and down as our fully invested portfolios will. So it's it's a different approach. It's a diversifying factor. Uh, you know, what I would recommend for most people is uh, depending on when you're going to use the money, that's that's really how most investors should start thinking about their asset allocation. When are you going to use the money? Um, you know if it's money that's going to be invested for 20 years, you're going to be best off in stocks and growth. Money that you're going to be using in three years, for instance, certainly shouldn't be in the market, probably shouldn't even be in bond funds. But, you know, you can kind of walk through when you're going to use the money and come up with an appropriate allocation 
Once you do that, your growth funds should be actively managed so you're participating in market leadership. Your fixed income, we believe, should also be actively managed. I think it's a dangerous time to just buy a bond fund and forget it because, as you said, interest rates have been coming down for 30 years. They don't have much capital gain potential going forward, so you've got to be cautious on the fixed income side. And then many people do want you know, a lower volatility component as well. And I think by diversifying, then you're going to be able to ride through these volatile times more easily. What can people learn about this strategy that might apply to their 401ks? Will they have a certain amount of options as far as moving things around inside their 401ks? Well, we manage a lot of 401ks um, using the same strategy. If if people want to subscribe to our newsletter, for instance, they can go and, and access an interactive database on our website at, at fundex.com. For instance, if they have Fidelity as an option for a 401k, then they could sort the funds alphabetically, look at all the Fidelity funds or Vanguard funds or price funds, and, and keep their money invested in the top-performing ones. So you can apply this upgrading to whatever universe you want, um, depending on the universe that's available to you in your retirement account, I think the point still is don't suffer through long periods of underperformance in either areas of the market or funds that that simply aren't giving you performance. So people tend to suffer and they hope, I suppose, or when it gets back to even, then they'll sell or something like that. It's it's not based on numbers. It's based on Behavioral finance shows that we do hold on to our losers and... um, Sometimes, particularly with no-load funds, you're better off going from today forward and, you know, going with what's performing well now, staying with it so long as it is performing. In about a minute or so we have left, why don't you just kind of sum up what your strategy allows people to do that uh, would, would be difficult for them to do on their own? Well, I think that it has a built-in flexibility to take advantage of many different opportunities in the market. I think the important thing, again, is the discipline. I think reacting emotionally is probably our biggest enemy. And I think when you have the discipline and you know advance, there's no guesswork. You know what you're going to do. You're going to incrementally align with what's working in the environment. It's just a a logical way of participating in a variety of different opportunities as they present. So investors can do it themselves with our newsletter. If they don't want to do the upgrading, they can invest in our upgrader funds. Um, And, of course, we manage separate accounts. So this is a way of accessing a, a pretty active strategy that's worked well over time. Very good. My guest this hour has been Janet Brown. Uh, she's the portfolio manager of the Fundex Upgrader Funds and the editor of the No Load Fundex uh, newsletter. Uh, website to find out more about her funds is fundxfunds.com. Uh, the phone number there is 800-763-8639. Thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show. Thank you, Jordan. It was a pleasure. Thank you, and we'll be back again with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.